Okay, I think a traditional accounting firm advice is lagging behind here. There's another example of where the accounting firm and all professional services where that model hasn't kept up fast enough with the internet and all the things that that ought to change about how you run a practice. So we're going to talk about micro niching. What does that even mean? How I think it's actually quite different to traditional niche accounting firm advice. Uh, So come on in. Let's talk. Let's talk. We we micro niches. Okay, two things I want to impress upon you, things that I've said before, but have been like weighing especially heavily on me lately, and I don't feel like we talk about it enough. One, you have a distribution problem. So many of our, I mean, virtually all accounting firm problems stem from pricing. Not necessarily pricing problems, uh, because obviously pricing is a massive spectrum. But if you could charge double what you charge now, that makes most of your problems go away. Staffing shortages, uh, overwork. Uh, it's usually as simple as that. And generally, pricing problems are actually distribution problems in disguise. You haven't found the people who will happily pay more, pay you more for what you already do. And most of us are living in a little itty-bitty microscopic bubble uh, of like within the larger ecosystem of people that we can help. So big, two, two big things I want to impress upon you. One, you have a distribution problem because the internet enables access to way more people than we're currently accessing. And two, we can't comprehend how big the world is. And there's just so many examples of this that I see every single day of us underestimating how big and complex the world is because uh, our little heads evolved in these sort of tribal setups where you only have so many relationships and we like we cannot comprehend the notion that millions of people could see something that you make. Like we just we can't get our heads around it. And I always hear the analogy of, oh, you have you know, ten thousand followers or something like that. And you think about all those people in a room, and it's like, gee, gosh, that's so many people. When the reality is, you just simply post something in social media, and way more people than that oftentimes will see it. So our our heads just can't get around how big the world is. And as a result, we don't lean into the bigness of the world and a, a byproduct of that bigness, the specificity that's out there, just how many people there are with very, very specific problems. I often see hear this around myself and you know my job now, basically just to be visible and be helpful. Uh, a lot of people say they see me everywhere uh, on conferences and stuff of li- stuff like that. The reality is we're in such an itty-bitty echo chamber. I, I think uh, probably less than 1% of accountants have ever heard my name, maybe less than a tenth of a 1% of accountants. Like that's the reality is the world is just like always bigger than we expect it to be. And the reality is we still aren't that far removed from a time when everything was being done in person. I mean, there's people that listen to this that remember this more intimately than I do. But even when I started in the profession, like you didn't have stuff like social media, or at least it was very rudimentary compared to how it is now. And if you were going to build your business, it was all about going to the Chamber of Commerce stuff and like local 
organizations and think about the amount of time and effort that's still invested into those things when literally on your phone you have access to something that is you know 10,000 times the size it's the thing that everybody's consuming all day every day uh idle time is just spent scrolling out algorithms but probably 99% of accountants aren't present on those algorithms. And that's just a that's just something that I don't think we talk about enough. How when the internet came around, you probably just needed to throw out whatever the accounting firm model was or the professional services firm model was and really think through that again from scratch because all of the constraints, all the ge- geographic constraints and the ways that you met people really ought to have changed overnight in a really positive way. Um, That's not to say you still can't run a a firm around that local stuff. But right now, I think uh, 90, maybe 90 plus percent of firms are still run that way. And that certainly shouldn't be the case. If you think about what you see online from accountants and from accounting firms, it is a tiny, tiny subset of them creating any sort of content online. A lot of it is the canned boilerplate stuff that maybe they're paying a subscription to get access to. The rest of it is really, really corporate stuff, generally. And there's a distinct lack of, you know, personality, like a a person present in that content to build a relationship with. And even then, most of that stuff is really just like high level, very general, how to manage cash, how to understand your financial statements. Like it's very, very basic stuff. And I'm definitely a believer that you don't need to reinvent the wheel in the content that you're putting out there. We we try to like do very 200 IQ things when our clients are operating at 50 IQ usually. But I will say there's virtually nothing out there that is like really compelling stuff for a super specific niche. So what like, man, I don't know that I can put my finger on just about any firms out there that are making super, super useful stuff for a hyper niche. And that is not like S corps. It's not Ecom. It's not like a big niche like that. It's somebody within that niche with a very, very specific problem. And I think the reason is it is really, really hard not to chase vanity metrics or this mental model we have of what success on social media looks like. So if you post something and only 50 people see it, you think, well, you did something wrong or it's not good enough or it's not helpful or something like that. When the reality is, is unless you're finding a very, very specific type of person, that information probably isn't like super valuable, super specific, something that they couldn't get elsewhere. And niche advice today is generally centered around relationships and referrals and and that all is valuable. But that conversation around niching is usually completely disconnected from how you can like build that hyper niche algorithmically. So what are the, who are the people that you can find on social media that have a very, very specific pain point? That's a really big factor today and how you ought to build a niche. And a really like rudimentary version of this was SEO is if I can build a firm around strong SEO, then like that's a rationale for going into that niche. When the, like the reality is these days, I think that effort is is much better spent on social media. Some big question marks about the long-term value of SEO as that space has gotten more crowded and as a lot of search is now going to language models. But is there a compelling hook to find these people uh, on social media? Like that's a really big factor to me and how I would decide how to build a niche these days. But let's talk very specifically about like 
hyper niche versus I think traditional sort of framing of niches in the past. To me, things that are not niches, I support S-Corps. I support online sellers. I mean, just about every business is going to sell online longer term, right? People in my state, uh, restaurants, influencers. To me, the beauty of the internet and social media and what that all enables, and this has been for me a very long personal journey of pushing back against vanity metrics and how that feels good and how success and, you know, the outward appearance of the value of what you do is really built on number of followers and public perception of that. A great example, I was hanging with my brother over this last weekend and he's like, man, you've got a lot of followers on LinkedIn. And I'm like, really? I kind of like, I think the opposite because I look up to these mainstream influencer types who have loads and loads of followers, but I feel this pressure to have this outwardly impressive sort of following and lean into these vanity metrics, right? But I think this ultimately gets in the way of us being really helpful to a super specific type of person to go back to the analogy or metaphor or whatever it is that I use quite a bit. If you're in that bookstore and you're walking by and there's a book on the shelf, like that thing, what you're targeting is something that is so specific to that type of person that they stop in their tracks and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a thing that is for me. And those social media posts, like the really, really good ones, they give you that same impression, like where you stop scrolling and you're like, holy smokes, this is so specific to what I do, so specific to the problems that I face that I have to immediately stop or bookmark this post. Team, this episode is sponsored in part by the fine folks at Client Hub, where AI isn't the future, it's today, it's now, it's here. I guess that means it's, I guess it's both the future and now. But it is happening in the present. They're shipping cool stuff every day. I'm just talking about it. They're doing it. Uh, They got a new landing page, Your Firm on GPT, where they kind of outline their vision for the stuff they've already shipped and the stuff that they are working on. Starting to get clients in on, uh, or firms in on like early access to provide feedback on this stuff. Leveraging AI everywhere in Client Hub and yielding, how's this sound? 90 plus percent time savings in many aspects of the work in your firm. Uh, The three core concepts they're building this around one, generate it, using AI to generate stuff that normally you would have to do yourself, like emails, tasks, that sort of thing. Answer it, don't just search by text, a more intelligent version of text that sees into your meetings, your emails, all that stuff. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about on the show. And third, up-level it, summarize meeting notes, Tell you what's inside a file without having to open it. Sentiment analysis. Whole bunch of cool stuff. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about like the actual stuff that they've shipped so far and the stuff that's coming soon. That is Client Hub. To learn more about that and what they're working on, check out the link in the show notes. Getting this episode is sponsored in part by LiveFlow. Uh, LiveFlow is the easiest way to sync that QuickBooks data back and forth to your spreadsheets. Uh, you may have seen this. actually had a big announcement lately. So this fall, G2 gave them uh, the top spot in their fall 2023 report as the leader in the financial analysis category. That's right, they won, number one. Nice work. Uh, If you've been around my channels for a while, you've seen LifeFlow kindly, they have sponsored uh, quite a bit of stuff. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for it, but that was probably why. If not familiar with LiveFlow, a super easy way to sync that stuff, sync your QuickBooks data back and forth with Google Sheets. They got a whole pile of templates too to make the process of building that stuff for the first time as easy as possible for you. Stuff for managing 
Cache, AP, KPIs, like everything you can imagine. Sync that data into your existing sheets to make them smarter, get it to auto-sync or build your like custom new sheets that talk with QuickBooks totally from scratch. Uh, pretty cool tool. Check that one out at lifeflow.io. But for all the same reasons that a lot of us are afraid to niche at all, people are also afraid to micro-niche because you feel like you're throwing a bunch of people out along the way when what you're actually doing is becoming more valuable to a smaller subset of people. And at the end of the day, that is what running a successful accounting firm is all about, is being extremely useful to a small subset of people. And all the people outside that bubble will, will look at what you do and not understand it, and it'll look ridiculous. And the prices that you charge will seem outrageous because they don't have the same understanding of the very nuanced problems that those people have that you do. And when we look at coaching groups and mastermind groups where people pay astronomical amounts to be there of their own volition, they're choosing to give their money to be there. That's generally us not understanding the specificity of those problems that those people are solving. And we talked about this a bit recently. Um, the one that stuck out to me was uh, we were doing kind of a challenge episode using ChatGPT and the Web3 stuff. And it was like, you know, real estate NFT holders. Like that was a really fascinating, very specific micro niche to me. And I found more and more when I'm brainstorming, I will turn to ChatGPT or another language model to help me think to like a greater level of depth on these things. So I think it's helpful just to solidify like what is that like when we say micro niche, what actually is that to think through some examples. So I got a prompt here. You are a master CPA consultant to accounting and tax firms. You have a deep nuanced understanding of every micro niche that accounting firms serve. I currently serve the e-commerce niche. What are 10 micro niches within my niche? So say you got an e-commerce niche, I label it whatever you want. What are 10 like micro niches within that? Uh, some ideas here. One, drop shipping accounting. This involves businesses that sell directly from suppliers to consumers. The accounting intricacies include tracking costs of goods sold, sales tax considerations, and international transactions. Subscription box services. Digital products and services, such as ebooks, software, or streaming services, have specific needs around sales tax licensing and revenue recognition. Multi-platform retailers, businesses that operate on Amazon, eBay, their own website, all that. Handmade goods uh, have unique challenges around labor costs, uh, complicated revenue streams from craft fairs, online stores, or consignment shops. Six, print on demand. Businesses that produce an item after an order after an order has been made, they often deal with royalty payments, licensing agreements, potentially high advertising costs. Influencer-backed stores, so e-commerce sites that are backed by social media influencers. Private labeling, these are like companies that do branded merchandise, that sort of thing. High-risk industries, uh, adult entertainment, tobacco, firearms, who have legal constraints, high processing fees, specific tax considerations. 10, international e-commerce, firms that sell products internationally and have to deal with exchange rates, multiple tax jurisdictions, import-export duties, and all that. Those are all e-commerce, right? And even those, like especially international e-commerce, even a lot of those you could go further into. So high-risk industries, you go into adult entertainment, tobacco, firearms, marijuana, like a number of these things you can go even further into. And I just see us still being too fixated on the volume model of making money, on the path to making more money being serving more clients. And similar to how in the land of social media, we have these vanity metrics. I see a lot of vanity metrics around firms too, where 
where like, uh, you know, a successful solo firm is one that's reached, you know, a million in revenue or X number of clients, or you've built a team to a certain size or something like that. When I don't think this takes into account the fact that the internet enables a different level of specificity in the people that we serve um, than has ever been possible before, because for the, for the first time you can find those people. Uh, and the bigness of the world is made accessible by the internet, by social media. And so you can serve a much, much more specific type of person than ever before because you have reached to them anywhere. And if we think about how things are trending over time, like in my mind, this is the age of the hyper niche and the future is just gonna get more niche because the internet's gonna and continue enabling greater reach. You have an entire generation of people who have grown up consuming social media, many of them creating stuff themselves on social media, as opposed to the current generation of most business owners where social media didn't even exist when they grew up, right? So everybody's going to be creating stuff. The platforms will continue to get better and more specific. So everyone will have greater reach, but simultaneously, everyone will be able to find greater specificity in the people that they reach. Another huge one is language barriers are practically being eliminated. Now, a big trend on, on YouTube is being able to publish videos in 50 plus languages virtually instantly. And the AI translating and dubbing of like even how their mouth moves is unbelievably good now like honestly probably in the next 12 months i'll be able to publish all of my content in 20 plus languages instantly like without it creating a whole ton of extra work and it will look like me speaking that language and it will sound like my voice virtually indistinguishable and that is going to impact the people that we can reach and the problems uh that we can support so if we have right now uh, foreign, foreign language speaking folks who sell into the U.S. and have U.S. tax compliance issues. Most U.S. based people who don't know how to speak another language, like they are not able to serve those folks. Those barriers are about to go away. And in general, the world is just getting smaller. Not only like, you know, for me across the U.S., but around the world, the world is getting smaller in general because we're all more connected. And so if we think about the direction that things are trending, it is more and more and more specific. But the big tripping point for a lot of people, I think, is the inability to get over those vanity metrics and what we see success as online. Because there's still a lot of glorification around those mega celebs and uh, your internet points being a product of how big your following is and all that, rather than how meaningful the problems you solve are. Uh, and I shared like this is something that I've you know struggled with a ton because I could go out and make cool mainstream stuff and all of my vanity metrics would be way bigger. But you know what I don't know that I could do is like build a very meaningful business around that as opposed to knowing who I'm good for, which admittedly is still a huge subset of the profession. Like I've kind of settled on small firms, 10 million and under, and that's still a massive, massive pool. But... Had I not done that, when I hang out with my brother over the weekend, uh, and we're just talking about how things are going, and I could have been like, no, I actually have like 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. He would have been like, wow, you are a mega celebrity. That is so cool. But the reality is that business would probably be a tenth the size of the business I've been able to build with much greater specificity, right? Theme, let me tell you, uh, this episode is sponsored in part by... Copilot, the portal that makes all of your wildest, your wildest, wildest dreams 
come true within the business context. Name of the game with Copilot is flexibility. The notion that you can build that client portal to do any old thing you want it to do because your needs, they're unique. You know, us accountants, we are, we are absolute snowflakes. Nobody understands the problems that our clients have quite like we do, which makes nobody more equipped to know what they need than me. Don't tell me how to work with my client, how to collaborate with them on a website. You're lucky I don't know how to make the software because I'd make just what my client needed and they would love it. Well, gang, bad day is here because Copilot gives you the ultimate flexible platform to put any old thing you want in that portal. Totally customize each section, customize what different clients and different client groups see because your clients aren't just a bunch of drones that are all the exact same and need the exact same thing. And if you really wanted to be that locked down and serve everybody the exact same way, then you'd be off running some sort of software startup that's just gonna serve up this vanilla, lame, boring version that's the same for everybody, doesn't take into account their actual needs. That's not you though, you're better than that, okay? And get a client portal that'll lean into the snowflake that you are and the specific needs your clients have. Is that a bad thing to say? Does Snowflake have like too many negative connotations? You know what I mean. You just, nobody understands the nuance like you do, okay? And Copilot's the portal that'll, that'll meet you in the middle. Learn more about this one uh, at the link in the show notes. This episode is sponsored in part by the fine folks at Cloud Accountant Staffing. Do you hire accountants? Bless your little heart. Not the best part of the job, in my opinion. Not something I ever enjoyed. Well, listen, you can build your accounting dream team with talented offshore accountants in the Philippines that work 100% full-time for your firm. Their accountants aren't freelancing or contracting for multiple firms. They're all yours. They work exclusively for you and are incentivized to stay with you and your team long-term. They're not going to get swiped. Cloud Account Staffing is 100% dedicated to the accounting industry and founded by a former accounting firm owner that understands your business, knows your pain points. They had to hire some accountants and they said, you know what, we're going to build our own pipeline in the Philippines, gonna pull in some super talented people and then open that up to other firms. Basically, that's the story. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about staffing, building more resilient staffing pipelines for your firms. I, I had staff in the Philippines, at, like totally red-pilled me to like, oh geez, like we need to globalize the way that we get our work done. Check these folks out. Link in the show description, cloudaccountantstaffing.com. So if micro-niching is the future and things are gonna continue trending that way, uh, how do you build it? I think that's where most people are at now. The folks who grew up doing social media or wanting to be a YouTuber or whatever that was, I think this comes a lot easier for them than most of us who did not grow up with that or didn't grow up with those ambitions or are still stuck with seeing themselves on camera or uh, the struggle of what do I actually have to say when you've literally spent years and years learning things that nobody else knows and people pay you handily to help them with problems, yet somehow we still don't have anything to say, right? Like, it's just a mental shift. Like, everybody started there. For me, it was definitely a learned skill. But then how do we find those people? How do we reach the massiveness of what the internet enables to find, like, the bottom of a mega, mega filter uh, to find the people with really, really specific problems who will pay me really handsomely for what I do? Uh, Two paths to building them in my mind. One, attract them. I think in the future, I've heard said, and I somewhat agree with this, that basically down the road, we're all media companies because how we define media companies today are like, you know, 
companies that are creating, that are producing stuff. But in the future, when people aren't going through the yellow pages or the white pages or whatever it was to find the plumber or the accountant, and when we're spending more and more of our time on, on algorithms and consuming things there, and what lives in that algorithm gets more nuanced and more specific to that type of person, that's how people ultimately find solutions for problems. So you like look at the percentage of consumers spending that has shifted to influencer marketing and stuff that people discover on TikTok and on Instagram, and they make buying decisions because of that. There's a very real uh, B2B side of that that we're just now discovering as opposed to the B2C, where e-com has been massively driven by, by influencer marketing and the virality of you know a TikTok popping off that features their product, B2B is going to go the same direction with increasing levels of specificity. And so by today's definition of what a, what a media company is, in the future, most companies probably look something like what you would call a media company today because they're consistently creating stuff to attract people. And it's really, um, we look at the really impressive stuff and that's, that's scary. But it's really as simple as just having conversations. It doesn't even involve video or you even being on video necessarily. Like it's just a matter of consistently turning up and having conversations around the pain points that you solve that will attract people that have the same pain points. And obviously there's a ton of nuance and the right and the wrong ways to do that and how most of us live out our social media lives like through more of a personal lens that muddies the problems that my clients have versus the problems that I have. And running both of those things through a, through a single social media presence doesn't really work. But investing the time and having those conversations consistently around the problems that you solve in order to attract people, that I think is ultimately the main way we're going to pull people in. But again, the biggest trap there is I think people are trying to build something that will attract a thousand views when honestly a 10, video, 10 view video for a very specific type of person is probably easier to build a business around. Second, uh, the way that we build this is by finding those people. So attract them and then find them. I, social media I think is, and AI in general are going to create this sort of renewed hunger for in-person more experiential stuff. I think we saw this out of COVID. There was a big appetite for people to get out of the house and go to events and meet people in person. I think that's just gonna keep getting more and more powerful as some aspects of how we communicate with other people are eliminated. Like we don't spend as much time on the phone anymore and we don't, coming out of COVID when we moved, you know, really to virtual meetings, we absolutely haven't bounced back to what it was because of the convenience and simplicity of virtual meetings. And the result is like we, like we all have this human longing for in-person connections, which makes those in-person events super powerful. And so I think we're gonna keep like, having this sort of increased hunger for those in-person events, those places are going to be gold for um, finding people with very specific problems. All the conversations we're having around greater specificity and what we put on social media, same thing applies to in-person events. So like, you know, even putting on your own events could be a great way to find them. Greater emphasis on, on micro communities, on online communities being built around specific people and those folks getting together in person and you being able to Trojan horse your way in there as a domain expert is absolute gold. That's a great way to find clients. And I think oftentimes we go down like the sponsorship path or you're going to engage with that, with that event through the lens of being like a vendor when the most important thing is that you're just there as a person and you're meeting people and you're having conversations and you're learning and maybe you're picking up some clients 
But I tell people this all the time in the accounting software space who they're like, oh, I don't know that we're going to have the budget to get a booth or all the booths are sold out. So I don't think we're going to go this year. The value is in you just being there as a human and meeting people and connecting with folks and learning. Maybe there's value in the booth, uh, but there's a ton of opportunity just in being present and learning. So that is the find them side of things. So how do you build it? Attract them. That mainly happens on social media and then find them that's happening in person. And I still think most of us haven't niched, honestly, at all. And I always had a complex relationship with niching down or specialization. Um, I didn't get all that excited about it because honestly, I was like, we have a firm. It's worked for the last 80 years. Honestly, it makes really good money. And so I didn't really feel the pressure to specialize because it felt like what we were doing was working. But all that being said, it certainly didn't mean that it couldn't be better, that it couldn't work better, that we couldn't be higher margin, that we couldn't charge twice as much for what we did for a more specific type of person. You know, in a larger firm like that where you're running 30 to 50% margins, the reality is you can trade three or four low-paying clients for one new really well-paying client that was more or less the same amount of work. So while most of us uh, haven't, uh, haven't invested in niching down all that much, uh, I would super encourage you to, to think more about where things are headed and a much it's in a much, much more micro niche direction. And I think oftentimes if we're not having success on social media going into a niche, a quote unquote niche, it may be because it's not specific enough. Like if you're just talking to e-com people online right now, honestly, like you have to be prolific. Like your stuff has to be at a really, really high level. And when you're starting out, it probably won't be. And it has to be prolific because there's a good number of people already there offering advice for e-com sellers. But the more micro you go, the lower the production and the, I don't know, the clickbait uh, kind of require, the lower those requirements are, I guess. And when you're first starting out, like you're not going to be great at that, optimizing every little thing. And so oftentimes if, we are, if we're striking out there, I think it's probably just because we aren't specific enough yet. But what it feels like is maybe you're too specific is oh i i only posted this video about how to read a balance sheet for e-com providers but if i would have just made it more general more people would have watched it maybe probably but would it have gotten you any closer to uh meaningfully con like converting clients no like it's the reason that i'm not ultimately interested in having a million tiktok followers how does that then convert to finding people with really, really specific problems who will come pay you well for what you do, right? If we're just playing the volume game, uh, that's a hard way to build a firm and that stuff's getting eroded every day by productized solutions and AI and all this stuff, right? That's not really where we're setting up camp. So I'd encourage you to find even more specificity. Uh, as I was kind of brainstorming with this, I did that exercise of hopping into ChatGPT and saying, you know, how can I find, give me like 10 micro niches within this niche. And it's actually really good at that, pulling out a lot of stuff that I didn't think of. We went through that e-com example. And frankly, some of those e-com micro niches could have been split out even further. But if you're thinking through, you know, even what you're going to niche into and you have an interest that's vague, like, you know, gaming or, or sports or marketing, you know, what's a figure out ways to drill into that much further to be able to speak to a specific person or combine that interest with another interest of yours or something that you may have domain expertise in from your past to get to something more specific. Uh, that I think that's ultimately the 
secret sauce to meaning doing meaningful work on social media when it comes to attracting high paying clients is just getting more specific. So there you go, micro niching. Uh, I don't think we're talking just quite enough about how the internet enables this and how that's kind of where things are headed. The algorithm's getting more specific to my interests and how professional services can lean into that a little more. That's all I got. I'll see you in the next one.